Welcome once again to our Bible study. We're going to continue on in the book of John, the Gospel of John chapter 4. We'll be covering verses 39 through 54 today. And the title of today's lesson is that many people are brought to Jesus and they believe in him. So let's review from last week. Last week we saw where Jesus' disciples had just returned back to Jacob's well. Remember, they had arrived at Jacob's well. They were hungry. The disciples were hungry. So they leave Jesus. They go get some food. They go get something to eat. But while they're going, this Samaritan woman comes to Jacob's well at noon. See, and Jesus knew this. And Jesus had a message for this woman. And if you remember this woman's background is... She had been married five times, and the man that she was living with now was really not her husband. So she's living in an adulterous relationship. So this woman was seen as a nobody. This woman was seen, you can say, as a loser in her community, in that society because of the culture, right? Although the Samaritans and the Jews didn't get along, it was an offshoot of Judaism. And what this woman was doing was still sinful in the eyes of these people and their religion. So this woman is broken, you can say, right? She has a lot of broken pieces in her life. But Jesus has a message for this woman that I'm going to use you to better the kingdom, right? See, for generations, these two groups of people, what they did was they leaned on their culture. They leaned on traditions. They leaned on their own religious beliefs, right? And still to this day, they do that. And we see that this woman, although in the society's eyes, she's a failure. Jesus doesn't see this woman as, as that way. Jesus sees this woman as somebody that if they have faith in me and they believe in me and they believe and they submit to the truth of God, amen. He says, I can use you. I can use this woman. And you see, Jesus is telling us that today also, that although you might be broken today, if you come to the truth, if you come to Jesus, and you surrender your life to Jesus and you commit to him. He's saying, I can use you also for the glory of my Father, amen, for the kingdom of heaven, right? Because what we're going to see in this lesson today is that this woman, she's going to bring people to Jesus and they're going to believe in Jesus. This woman who was broken, this woman who was looked at as a failure in society, right? See, last week we see where she leaves Jesus and she goes out into the community and, and she tells everybody that she met this man named Jesus. And this man named Jesus told everything about her, about her past. So this woman knows that Jesus has divine revelation. This woman knows he's the Messiah. And she goes back into town telling people, could this be the Messiah? Because she's in shock. She's in awe. And people hear this and, and people want to come out and see and we've seen that last week in last week's lesson that she went proclaiming the good news. She went, went proclaiming the gospel about Jesus. And people are leaving their homes and they're going towards Jesus. But what we're going to see also, if you remember from last week's lesson, is that Jesus' disciples, when they walk upon coming back from eating and they walk up to Jacob's well and they see Jesus talking to this woman, they're confused. Because Samaritans and Jews didn't get in get alone. They didn't associate. They didn't communicate, right? So so they see Jesus talking to this woman and they're confused. It's a Samaritan woman. But you see, they're walking in the flesh. They're walking in the natural because they're going back to traditions and culture. They're going back to their religion, right? They're seeing things from a fleshly standpoint. And Jesus is trying to get them and this woman to understand that you need to look at things from a kingdom perspective. And Jesus explains to them this and uses an example that, that they might understand with harvesting. Because in the natural, they knew the harvest time, like grain and food and so forth, was four months from now. And Jesus tells them that. You know in four months that there's a harvest. But Jesus says, really, there's a harvest right now that's ready to be reaped. That's been sold maybe for generations, for years. And right now, they're looking to be harvested. He's talking about the loss. He's talking about 
the kingdom of heaven, right? See, there's a dark world that we live in. It's an evil and perverse world, you can say, that we live in. And there's somebody in this world right now that you know that's ready to be harvested. See, what God meant by that, what Jesus meant by that is that God the Father used people in the past to plant a seed. And today, you may be planting a seed in somebody. And you may harvest. You may see that, that, that seed come to harvest from you yourself. But Jesus is saying, you, you, may, you may just harvest somebody. That that seed had been sowed for generations before. But Jesus said it doesn't matter. Because both the sower and the reaper, right, is going to get a reward in the kingdom of heaven. Why? Because you're bringing people to him. You're bringing people to the Father through his son, Jesus Christ. Amen. And that's what he's trying to teach his disciples. He's trying to teach this woman, and he's trying to teach us in the passage of the woman at the well, right? So with that being said, open up your Bibles to the Gospel of John in chapter 4. And we're going to finish off chapter 4 today, and we're going to start in verse 39. So we'll be covering verses 39 through 54. And verse 39 says this, Many of the Samaritans from the town believed in him, speaking about Jesus, because of the woman's testimony, that he told me everything that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and they stayed, and he stayed two days with them. And because of his words, many more people came to be believers. And they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves. And we know that this man really is the savior of the world. And after the two days, then Jesus left for the Galilee. Now Jesus himself had pointing out that a prophet has no honor in his home country. And when he arrived in the Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him. They had seen all he had done in Jerusalem at the Passover festival because they were also there. And once he arrived in Cana, in Galilee, where he had turned water into wine, there was a certain royal officer whose son was laid sick at Capernaum. When this man heard that Jesus was coming to the Galilee from Judea, he went to him and he begged him to come to heal his son who was close to death. And unless you people see signs and wonders, Jesus told them, you will never believe. The royal officer said, sir, come down before my child dies. Go, Jesus replied, your son will live. The man took Jesus at his word and he departed. While this man was on his way, his servants came and met him with the news that his boy was living. While he inquired as to what time when his son got better, they said to him yesterday at the seventh hour, which is one o'clock in the afternoon, his fever left him. Then the father realized that this was the exact time which Jesus had said to him, your son will live. So he and his whole household believed. This was the second sign Jesus performed after coming from Judea into the Galilee. So let's go back to verse 39. And verse 39 starts off with the word Samaritans. It says, many of the Samaritans. Now we know that this is a group of people from Samaria. It was a mixed race. It was half Jew and half Gentile, right? And we know that there was no communication between the Samaritans and the Jews. They hated each other, right? And we know that this place, Samaria, what we speak of Samaria was, was sort of like a town, right? Like, like, like a place like Judea, it was Samaria. And what at one time, the capital of this place was a place called Shechem. 
right? Just for your background, so you know a little bit about this place and where we are, right? Uh, in in this time and culture and, and and their tradition, we also know at this place is Jacob's well, but we also have at this place the tomb of Joseph, right? That was present here, right? So we see at this time in history, in culture, in tradition, so to speak, that it's an ungodly place, right? Although it's Jacob's well, although the tomb of Joseph is there, why are you saying it's ungodly, Coach? Why are you saying that? It's ungodly because they these people had animosity towards the Jewish nation and the Jewish people, towards Judea, right? And now, here's a Jewish man. He he comes with his disciples, and he, he comes speaking to a woman, right? And, and a woman who's broken, a woman who had been married five times, who was living in an adulterous relationship right now, right? A, a woman that society looked down upon, thought of as a loser, thought of as a failure. I mean, she's the worst candidate that you can pick out of anybody. But yet Jesus goes straight to the well because he knows this woman is going to be there at noon. She's broken. She's beaten down. But he's going to use this woman for the glory of God, amen, is what he's going to do. Through this woman, he's going to get his message across that he is the Messiah. Through this woman, he's going to get the message across that it's only through him that you can enter into that narrow road, onto that narrow gate, into the eternal kingdom of heaven, which Jesus said few will be on that road. It's only through her, this woman, that Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth. That I am the life. That traditions, culture, religion, all your stuff that you believe that's man-made, you can toss that aside because I am the one that's ahead of you. I am the one that will elevate you. I am the one that will resurrect you. I am the Messiah. I am the Savior. Amen. See, God is showing us here. This woman, although beaten, broken, bruised, whatever you want to say about her, right? And and we know a lot about that, some of us, because we've been beaten, battered, and bruised before in our past. God's going to use this woman to give glory to his father, right? And and to, to set a perfect example for us of how Jesus is the Messiah. That how Jesus is the only way to the eternal kingdom, amen? See, he's telling us right here, what looks impossible, when I am at the center of it, anything is possible with God. Amen? So let's go back to the the text right here. It says, many of the Samaritans were from that town they believed in him because, look what it says, of the woman's testimony. Because the woman said, he told me everything that I ever did. So what what she's saying here is that Jesus brought her under conviction. In other words, she's saying, he taught me to see myself as I truly am, right? And because Jesus did that, he puts, she puts all her faith in him. Because what Jesus said about this woman, the first time he had met this woman, first time she met him. But yet, Jesus tells you, you've been married five times, and the man you're living with now is really not your husband. And this woman's taken back, and this woman knows right then and there he's a prophet of some type, right? He has divine revelation from God. And now this woman, right, who is so far removed from the truth, because she had tradition, she had her religion, she had her culture that she was basing everything off of. She was removed from the truth. She was removed from a godly lifestyle. But you see, nevertheless, when she came in contact with Jesus and she accepted his words, she accepted his truth of what he told her, right? She left and she went out and she told people about Jesus. She told people about him. And now this woman, right, she, God is using her in a way that God wants to use us. But you got to surrender to the truth, he's saying. You got to surrender to me. 
You got to commit your ways to me and believe and trust in me. And my question to you is this today. Do you want to be used by Jesus? Right. My question to you today is, are you believing in the truth? Or are you still stuck in a religion? Are you still stuck in a culture? Are you still stuck in a tradition? Because this woman, she was stuck. She was battered. She was abused. She was stuck. She seen herself as a failure. As society seen her. But then she gets the message from Jesus, who's the truth. And Jesus tells her, it's not about your culture. It's not about your religion. It's not about your traditions. It's not about society. It's about me, the one in front of you here. I'm the one that can elevate you. I'm the one that can change your life. Because all God, all praise, honor, and glory goes to our Father. Goes to God, amen? That's what Jesus is saying. So, verse 40. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. And they stayed for two days. So this woman we see here goes out, man. And she gets people. She's proclaiming the good news about Jesus. And she's telling all these people. Now, this woman never wanted to be seen in society before. People understand this. She would go to the well at noon where everybody else would go in the morning and late in the evening. But this woman goes one time to the well at noon, the hottest part of the day, because she does not want to be seen by nobody in that society, in that community, because she's known as a loser. She's known as a failure. She's known as a total sinner in their eyes, and they didn't want to communicate with her neither. They didn't want to have nothing to do with this woman. But she goes out. She's so happy when she finds the truth, when she hears the truth, when she believes in the truth. She's so happy that she can't contain her excitement, and she goes out into this community that looks down upon this woman. What courage it takes. But you see, when you come to Jesus, You start doing the work of Jesus, you are led by the Spirit. That's why Jesus says, never fear. Do not fear. Do not be afraid. See, if Jesus wants to use you and you are willing, he will give you the words to say. He will tell you the things to do. He will lead you into righteousness. Amen. So this woman goes in her town and she proclaims the good news. And everybody's listening to this woman. Right? And they want to know about this man, Jesus. So they leave and they go walk to Jesus. They go find Jesus and his disciples. That's around Jacob's well at the time. Now we see in this scripture here that they find him. They start listening to him and they ask him to stay for two days. Now remember, numbers in scripture mean something, right? This number two in scripture shows two divergent opinions we can say so the samaritans heard that jesus was able to prophesy right everything about this woman she's excited she she she's she's in shock she's in awe so to speak but she goes out proclaiming to everybody so they can see that this woman was being transformed in other words she was being manifested in her life By what Jesus did and what Jesus said. Because Jesus told her truth. Jesus told her about her life. Jesus said, I'm going to lift you up and I'm going to use you. You're not going to be battered and bruised no more. I don't see you as a loser, but I see you as a winner. I don't see you, right, as somebody that's going to be stumbling and staying down. But I see you as somebody that I'm going to lift up. So they, they want to know about this man named Jesus. And they come out, right? So they come in contact with Jesus which is very wise, and they listen to Jesus, they listen to the truth, and they surrender to the truth. Are you surrendering to the truth today? Or are you compromising with man-made laws, with man-made rules? Which comes first, you see? Does the truth come first, or does your tradition, your religion comes first? Does your culture come first, right? And hearing Jesus, they say, why don't you stay with us for Two more days. So we said that the number two means divergent opinions. So what it means is this. They had their own thinking. Now they they were. They they know about this man named Jesus. They know from this woman that he's a prophet of some sort. That he has divine revelation from God. 
So they come in contact with the truth of God. The revelation of Messiah. So they listen to him first, their own thinking. Then they're going to listen and they come to know the truth of God. How? Through Jesus. Amen. Verse 41. And because of his words, many more became believers. So as an outcome of belief, as their evidence of faith, their commitment, right? There was an active behavior change in their life, you can say. And that's what happens in our life also. When we come to know the truth, when we come to surrender to truth, to Jesus himself, right? See, they're going to turn to producing the fruits of the kingdom. In other words, they're going to start doing the work of our Heavenly Father that He called each and every one of us to do. Now, when we talk about the means of salvation, right? This word in the passage keeps coming up. And you're going to hear this word over and over. It's, I believe. And that's what you're supposed to do. That's what you need to do in order to be a disciple of Jesus, in order to proclaim God's work for God's kingdom, is one needs to believe. So if you go back to the scripture, and because of his words, many more became, look what the scripture says, believers. Now, they began this process because of someone else, because of this woman. But now... After this woman tells them about Jesus and brings them to Jesus, they get a true chance at their own relationship with Jesus, their own conversation with Jesus. That's why it's very important for us every morning, every day, every night to have a conversation with Jesus. How we do that is by the Holy Spirit, amen? Listening to Jesus, talking to Jesus. Jesus knows everything that you're going to ask him, even before you ask, but ask him. He wants to hear from you, and he wants to respond to you, and you need to listen to him. So what's happening now is happening to us also. Jesus wants to use you for his kingdom, amen? And you can only do that when you come in direct contact with him. Verse 42, they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. So they came to faith because of this woman's testimony. What's your testimony today about Jesus? Do you have a testimony? Everyone that comes to Jesus has a testimony, right? See, this, this woman had a testimony. She goes proclaiming the gospel. Telling people about Jesus and what he done to her in her life. That he knows everything about her. That he lifted her up because she thinks she's a failure and a loser. But Jesus said, I'm going to use you because you understand the truth now. You abide by the truth. So they hear this for themselves now, right? They say, we believe that he is the Savior. We believe that he is the Messiah. That's what they're saying. We believe that he is the Christ. Because you see, salvation is of the Jews, the Bible says, right? Speaking about the means, the means of salvation is, is a Jewish means, meaning from a Jewish man. And that Jewish man is Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the son of Joseph, who is a carpenter, right? Who entered into this world born of a virgin, the virgin, blessed Mary, right? But, but this is how he entered into this world. He entered into this world in human flesh, God and man. He was God, but he was man, right? And we know from John the Baptist's testimony that Jesus came from the heavens. He came down to earth as Jesus Christ. Behold the Lamb of God who comes to take away the what? The sins of the world. He's our Savior. So what I want you to see here is that he came into this world. He came onto this earth as God and as human. Why? To save us. Why do I say that? Because look at the end of this scripture. It says, we know that he is the savior of the world. You see, it's only through him and his work on the cross that we can be saved, that we can be redeemed through his work, not our work. The work is done on the cross of what he did, amen? We are not saved by works here on earth. You are saved. By the grace of God, believing through faith in His Son, Jesus Christ. That's the only way that one gets saved. That's the only way that one enters into the kingdom of heaven. Amen? 
It's not by works. And if you say it's by works, then what you're saying is that what Jesus did on the cross is not important. Because if that's the case, Jesus would have never took the death that he took, the beating that he took, the crucifixion that he took, if one could work their way to heaven. If one can buy their way to heaven. No. That's false teaching. And if a church is teaching you that, then you best leave that church or you best, because you see, if you don't understand the Bible, if you don't understand the truth, let me say that, then you're lost. You're being misled. You're being deceived. Because Jesus went to the cross, did all the work for all of humanity because he loves all of humanity. He wants all of humanity to be saved. That no one can be lost. John 3.16 What did God say? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believeth in him will what? Will have everlasting life, the Bible tells us. Will inherit the eternal kingdom of heaven. Amen? So it's only through Jesus and what he did on the cross that one can be saved through faith, through belief. Through commitment. Amen. Verse 43. After the two days he left. For the Galilee. So we see here after two days. That Jesus goes back on his way. And he's headed back towards the Galilee. Now Jesus in verse 44 himself. Had pointed out. That a prophet has no honor. In his own country. Now if you look at this verse right here. And you think. Well he's. He's going back to Nazareth. Right? No he's not. He's going back to the Galilee in a place called Capernaum that's on the coast, not Nazareth, right? Now, you might ask, why this place that he's going to? Because this is where the power of God needed to be manifested in the world because of what the prophets had said. And we're going to come back to the prophets towards the end of this lesson. Verse 45. So when he arrived, in the Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him because they had seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, for they also had been there. So when Jesus arrives, right, into the Galilee, into the area of the Galilee, all these people welcomed Jesus because they know Jesus. If we go back to chapter 2 in the Gospel of John, there was a section in John chapter 2 that Jesus goes into the temple because they bind and sell and they're using the temple, God's house, as a God of business, as a God, as a house of commerce, if you remember. And Jesus says, you turn this house into a house of prayer, into a house of business, into a house of commerce. And that gets Jesus very angry, if you remember. And what did Jesus do? He starts flipping over tables and so forth, right? The money exchangers and all that stuff. So these people witness all this. Because remember, if you were Jew, you had to attend the three major festivals a year. So all the Jews were there. And these guys, although they're living in the Galilee, they're Jews. And they believe what Jesus did. They believe in Jesus. Jesus is starting to get a huge following now. Even though it's early on in his ministry. Remember, John the Baptist or early on pointed people towards Jesus. Said, you go to him. I'm not even worthy to wear his sandals. I'm not worthy to tie his sandals. None of that stuff, right? You you go to him because now's the time that he becomes more and I become what? John the Baptist said, less. How humble is that, right? See how many of us are saying that today, right? How many of us maybe are jealous of someone, of someone, someone of their work, maybe someone of their ministry, maybe some, you know, something's going on where you have animosity and jealousy. Then if that's what you have, then you have a fleshly spirit working inside of you. you. You don't have the Holy Spirit. Because if you have the Holy Spirit working, you don't have jealousy in your heart towards your brother or sister in Christ. Amen? You don't have jealousy. You don't have animosity. Right? Because really, if they're preaching the word of God and they're preaching the truth and they're doing positive things for the kingdom of heaven, then they're saving people. And that should be our goal as Christians, as disciples, is to enlarge the kingdom of heaven. It's to enlarge the kingdom of God. It's to bring people to Jesus, to tell more people about Jesus. Not about a religion. Not about a culture. 
not about a tradition. And I know that stings some of you that's listening right now. But I want you to understand, no, Jesus wants you to understand that when you get to heaven, it's not based on your tradition or your religion. It's not based on your culture. Heaven's for all those who believe in the truth. All those who believe that Jesus was the Messiah and that on the third day that he died and on the third day he rose, that he's right now seated at the right hand of the Father. That there's the Trinity, there's the Father and the Son, and there's the Holy Spirit, there's the Holy Ghost, amen? That's what Jesus wants you to believe today and see. That you don't get to heaven by a certain person. They might sow or they may harvest or they may reap the harvest that someone else sowed. But someone put the truth in you and that truth started working inside of you and you put truth before religion and you put truth before culture and tradition. Now, again, I have nothing against religion. I think we all associated with a religion of some sort. I'm not anti-religion. I want you all to understand that. But Bob, I tell you what I am. I'm pro-Jesus all the way. Amen. Hallelujah. Because that's what it's about. The kingdom is not about a religion. The kingdom is about Jesus Christ. It's about Yeshua. It's about the Christ. Amen. And that's what he's calling us to do, his disciples. It's to tell people about the truth. To tell people about the kingdom. Not to tell people to join my church and join my religion. But there's nothing wrong with that, again. But religion don't save you. Church don't save you. I can't save you. The saints can't save you. Mary can't save you. The only one that can save you is Jesus Christ himself and believing in him, committing to him having an intimate relationship with him and repenting of sins, turning your life around, right? Getting away from the flesh and walking more towards the spirit, more into the spirit, more into Christ. Because when you're walking more in the spirit, you're walking more in that Christ, your light shines brighter and brighter and brighter. And when people see you, they look and they see Jesus. When they look at you, they see the face of Jesus. When they look at you, they see the attributes and the character of Jesus. Does people see that in you? Verse 45. When he arrived in the Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him. And they sent all that he had done in Jerusalem at the Passover festival. So they also had believed in him because they were there. So they believed because of what he did. They believed for what he stood for. They believed not only by what he told this woman, but they see for himself. They listen to him teach. They communicate with him. They listen to him. And that's a lesson. That's a message for us and a lesson for us. That if we want to know all about Jesus, all about the truth, then we need to start surrendering ourselves to him. We need to start communicating with him more. But not only talking, but also what? Listening to what the Holy Spirit tells us. Listening to where the Holy Spirit leads us. Because God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And it's not what you think. It's not about your own goals. Setting goals for yourself and personal goals is great. There's nothing with that. There's nothing wrong with that. Because you're striving to be the best you can be at your profession. But don't you ever neglect Jesus out of that plan. Ever. Because Jesus wants to use you to better his kingdom. And that might be through your work. It might be doing something that you have a talent and a gift that you have that you can reach people and you can enlarge his kingdom. Amen. You know, why did he select me to do this? I don't know. I can't. I, there's a lot of people that ask me. I have no clue. Maybe it's because I was a coach. Maybe it's because I have that voice. Maybe it's because I'm demanding. I, I don't know. But for years I fought it. Until I finally surrendered and gave in. I said, God, I didn't think I could do this. But again, when you surrender to the Spirit, He gives you power, supernatural power. That what you think that you can't do on your own, but the Spirit can lead you to do it. Amen. And that's what Jesus wants you to see. 
So Jesus, the message is right now that Jesus wants to use you to glorify his kingdom in somehow, in some way. Just surrender to him. Talk to him. Communicate with him. Listen to him. And I promise you, if you do that, there's good things in store for you. Amen. Verse 46. Once more, he visited Cana in the Galilee, where he had turned water into wine. But in this place was a certain royal officer whose son lay sick at Capernaum. So it tells us right here that in the Galilee, if you remember, the first miracle was in Cana where he turned water into wine. Okay, There's this royal official that lives in Capernaum. Now, Capernaum is 600 feet below sea level. So we see that this man lives there. He has a son. He's a royal officer in the Roman guard. Some scholars believe he was over 100 to 999 men. That's how high up of an officer he was. He'd been hearing about Jesus. The miracle that he had performed. So this man already had contact with, not with directly with Jesus, but through other people and maybe had seen or witnessed some miracles taking place that he had did. And he knows he has a sick son. Now his son, you're going to see in the next scripture, is on his deathbed. He's fixing to die. He's very sick. And this, this royal officer in the Roman government, in the Roman army, knows the only one that can heal his son is Jesus. Verse 47. When this man had heard that Jesus was coming into the Galilee from Judea, he went and he begged him, come and heal my son who is close to death. So this man hears that Jesus is coming. So what he does, he leaves his house, he leaves Capernaum, and he goes, and Jesus is walking down to Capernaum, right, from Samaria. So Jesus is descending downward onto the coastline of Capernaum. This man who's in Capernaum has to ascend up to meet Jesus, right? He didn't wait for Jesus. Because this, his son's on the deathbed. And he can't wait. Because he said, my son's about to die. And the only one that can heal him is this man, Jesus. So he goes and he meets Jesus halfway into the Galilee area. So this man had to go on an incline, maybe hills, right? Mountains, so forth. He's climbing up. So it's a hard, it's a difficult walk. It's a difficult climb. It's not easy. What easy work. But this man knows his only hope for his son to be healed is through Jesus. So, so time is of the essence because the scripture tells us that his son's about to die. See, the purpose of this miracle that's about to take place is going to show that Jesus really is the Messiah once again. See, he does miracles. And, and through the miracles, what that does, it reveals the light of revelation. In other words, it reveals his identity that he is the savior of the world. Right? Just like the prophets foretold. He will give life to those who are dying. Just like he did to those people in Samaria. But however, he's going to do this physically now. He's not going to do it spiritually. That's going to be the difference. Now understand that this man, once again, like I said before, is from Capernaum. Jesus is headed there and this man can't wait. It's a sense of urgency. Verse 48, unless you people see the signs and wonders, Jesus tells them, you will never believe. Now, he's not only talking to this man, but he's talking to people that's around him. Because remember, where Jesus went and his disciples went, people what? People followed. Because they wanted to see, they wanted to hear him teach. You see, one of the reasons why God said that there would be miracles is in order to confirm spiritual truth. See, we should believe in the power of the word. Not what we see with our eyes, right? But God knows that we're all weak in a sense. 
He all knows that that sometimes we lean back towards our flesh and we're weak because the flesh makes us weak. The spirit builds us up. The spirit gets us stronger, right? But thank God that God is so merciful and graceful, amen? Verse 49, the royal officer said, sir, come down before my child dies. So notice that this man understands that without Jesus Christ, without the power of Christ, that his son is going to die. See, without truth, he's going to die. You see, and the message for us is, without the truth in our life, we also going to die. See, it's appointed for man to die once, then the judgment. See, we're all going to die. We're not escaping death. We're all going to die once, at least once. Some of us are going to die twice. It's a shame. Jesus doesn't want you to have that second death. He doesn't. But you got to turn to the truth. You got to learn to turn to Jesus. You got to turn to his word, the Holy Bible, and put Jesus and put his word first because he is the truth. He is the way and he gives life. Amen. See, unless we come in contact with Jesus, his word and his truth, then we too are near death. That's the message that Jesus is trying to convey here to us. Verse 50. Go, Jesus, reply, why your son will live. And the man took Jesus at his word and he departed. So you see this man, he didn't need evidence. He didn't need to see it. He just put his faith in Jesus. He put his faith in Yeshua and Messiah. So we also here see that Jesus, he didn't lay hands on a boy. What he did, he simply spoke it into existence. Just like he did in the book of Genesis. Remember where it says that God spoke and what, what it came, it came about. Remember there was disorder. It was void. It was empty, right? There was no order, you can say, at the beginning. And Jesus said what? Let there be what? Light. Boom. And there was order. Right? It came about because God spoke it. See, it means this. That God is always with us. That all God needs to do to turn your situation around is speak it. The question is this. Do you believe in that? Do you believe in the truth? Are you committed to Jesus? Are you committed to his word? Are you committed to his truth? Because your life can change in a second. Right? I'm not talking about your physical life of you becoming rich. and you I mean, if it's in God's will for, for him to do that or give you the job that you want, then, then that's great. And that's even better for you. But I'm talking about you got to surrender to God's will. We all have dreams and aspirations and plans for our life. But I want you to understand this, that God made you in his image. Which means you're not a failure. Which means you shouldn't be broken. You shouldn't listen to, to when people put you down. And, and that, that shouldn't matter because God's always lifting you up if you allow him to, if you communicate with him, if you're walking in the spirit. See, when you're walking in the spirit, you don't become broken. Because God doesn't allow that to happen to you. When you're in the spirit, you don't become depressed. Because you know all things work for all those who believe, right? Out the good for all those who believe in him. Are you a true believer? Or are you worshiping a religion? Because I know a lot of religious people that say, you know what, I go to church seven days a week. But yet my life is in turmoil. I have no faith. I'm doubting. But you're doubting because you're married to a religion. You're doubting because you're married to a tradition. You're like this Samaritan woman was. And Jesus is saying, you got to be married to the truth. You got to put me first. You got to deny self and pick up your cross and follow me to be a disciple. Because when you're walking with me, you're walking in truth.
And truth overcomes evil. Truth overcomes negativity. Truth overcomes sickness and disease. Truth overcomes fear and being afraid. Truth gives you life. Amen. That's what Jesus is saying. Verse 55, verse 51. While he was still on his way, his servants. Now, he meaning the man. Right? When he was on his way back to Capernaum, you can say, his servants met up with him with the news that his boy was living. In other words, his boy lived. So we see that he talks to Jesus. Jesus tells him, your boy's going to live. This man doesn't question Jesus. He turns and he walks away. He goes back to his home. While he's on his way home, his servants meet him. And they say, Master, <laughs> your, your son's living. He's going to live. Verse 52, when he inquired as of the time that his son got better, they told him yesterday at the seventh hour, which in our case would be one o'clock. The fever left him. So I want you to first pay attention to the number. Because remember, in Scripture, numbers are important. Now, 1 o'clock to us in Hebrew is the seventh hour. Right? Now, the word or the number seven, should I say, in Scripture, what does that represent? If you remember from our studies way back, it represents perfection. It represents holiness. It represents sanctification, right? So we can say that the number seven here represents that this boy is completely what? Healed. Not halfway healed, not sort of healed, but you can say he is completely healed. He's perfectly healed. That's what that means. The boy was dying. He's on his deathbed, right? But because his dad had faith, because his dad believed, because his dad had committed to Jesus, this son, his son, this boy, was completely healed, which tells us that if we believe, if we have faith, if we believe in the truth, if we rely, if we rely on the truth of God, right, then Jesus too can also heal us, can heal our family. Because we're going to enter into his presence. We're going to enter into the kingdom, the kingdom presence of him, amen? Verse 53. Then the father realized that this was the exact time at which Jesus had said to him, your son will live. So he and his whole household believed. Now, it's interesting because it says your son will live. This is the third time that we see this phrase in the last couple of passages. Why is that? Because you see the father looks at the son as a continuation, as a future. That's why God sent his only begotten son, Jesus, into this world, onto this earth, to go through that painful death and crucifixion that he did. Why? So we can all have a future, right? So we can all live. We can all be with him in the kingdom. Going back to the scripture. So he and his whole household believed. So this is telling us that they shared his testimony, right? Are you sharing testimony with people? Are you telling people about Jesus and the kingdom? Are you spreading the gospel, the good news? Are you telling them about the truth? See, we do this through scripture. We do this through the word of God, right? And once someone comes to faith, what are they going to do? They're going to do the same thing you did. They're going to share their testimony. They're going to share the truth. They're going to share the gospel news, the good news of Jesus and his kingdom. Are you giving a testimony today? Are you sowing or reaping or maybe doing both for the kingdom of God? Because there's a reward. Even if you do one, you might sow it. See, right now, I'm sowing into someone. Maybe someone sowed into you before. Maybe right now, I'm going to reap that harvest from you, right? And give it to Jesus. And you're going to come to faith in Jesus. And you're going to have that relationship with Jesus. Well, whoever sold it is going to get credit, going to get a reward in heaven for that. And whoever reaps it, whoever harvests it, is also going to get a reward in heaven. 
And maybe right now, some of you are being sown into Jesus. Maybe some of you are being reaped right now, getting the harvest. But you need to go sow also for somebody to reap that harvest later on. Amen. Verse 54, last verse for this chapter. This was the second sign that Jesus performed after coming from Judea into the Galilee. Now, second sign, two here, twice. That's what the number two means, twice, right? This means testimony for the purpose of, right? Now, why Galilee, you say? Because of prophecy. The Bible tells us that this is the place where Jesus' light would shine. Because that's what the prophets predicted before. Generations before. That this is where the light would shine. Would be in the Galilee area. More specifically, right, in that area, Capernaum and, 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 and Cana. See, that's why prophecy is so important. That's why you need to be a good teacher of Bible prophecy. A good student. And you need to listen to a good teacher. Let me rephrase that. Of Bible prophecy. Because Bible prophecy predicts the future. Bible prophecy is going to give you a heads up. It's going to get you prepared to what is to come. Or you're not caught off guard. And that's what Jesus expects us to do. When we are a believer in him. Because that is part of the truth of God. The truth of Jesus is knowing Bible prophecy so you can be prepared. So you will not fear because all your trust and all your belief is in the one that made you. And it's your Savior, the one that's going to save your life. If you commit to him, if you turn your life, you repent of sins and you turn and you follow him. Amen. And that ends our lesson for today. That ends up chapter 4 in the, in the Gospel of John. So we're going to be back. Not next week. We're going to take next week off. We're going to be back in two weeks. And we're going to begin a new chapter in the Gospel of John, chapter 5. But well, we sure do appreciate you all tuning in today. Go be a blessing for someone today. Go be a light that shines in this dark world. Proclaim the good news. Proclaim the gospel, right? Be obedient to God's word. Spend time in prayer every day. Spend time in his word every day and get to know him. Communicate, but also listen. He will lead you. He has a good, good future in store for you because you're going to do good works for his kingdom. We love, we love you guys. We appreciate you tuning in. Until next week, God bless.